Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor. Your music now. This is Beat. This is Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102103. Today I'm speaking with Megan O'Neill. She's just released her new EP, Time. Thought you were on my side. Uh, that's a, a sentiment many people can, <laughs> can empathise with, I think. Um, Megan, it's lovely to talk to you today. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very impressed. I'm uh, when I talk to people with this. I'm also very. I'm usually very impressed with the backdrops that they have. So <laughs> I see, I see one for the last waltz, uh, the very famous yeah. documentary about the band. And when I when I hear your music, I mean this with no disrespect to you. It doesn't sound like the band are a major influence on your sound. <laughs> am Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, but I think there's it's funny because a lot of that kind of style of music would influence in different ways. And then when you want to translate that live, you know, I think this EP is very much a studio EP. But when I want to translate that live, that's where I'll be bringing in all the inspirations. <laughs> so, so when I hear a song like Wildfire, though, yeah. What caught my ear about that was not necessarily the production elements of it. It's quite, it's quite poppy. It's quite electronic-y. And I mean that as a compliment. But there's a, I can imagine it being played on an acoustic guitar as well. Yeah. Well, that's actually something that we're doing at the moment. Um, so, and I'm, I'm letting you in on a secret here, Rob, because I haven't actually really said this before <laughs> to anyone, but we're in the process of doing like piano versions of all the songs and live takes as well. So, um that really excites me because as a songwriter, I always will kind of start with piano version or a guitar version and just like the bare bones of the song has to be there. Everything else yeah. you can add in after and, you know, the production can can take it a different direction. But I have to be able to to translate the song really straight back. And if that makes sense to me, then I'm like, OK, we're on to a good thing. Yeah, I can understand that because if it works well on, on a piano, with just piano and voice, well, then everything else is just built on top of that solid foundation. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some studio creations, don't get me wrong, they can be fabulous. But sometimes you think, God, if you had to play that on a piano or a guitar, it'd be like just one note. Yeah. And that's not a value judgment. That I'm, no, I'm not saying God, that no. that's wrong. But, you know, but I always think, you know, particularly when I hear musicians perform and if you hear somebody perform in that strip back setting where there's nowhere to hide, Mm. you're going to go yeah if you can do it there the other oh, stuff yeah. is just gravy on top of that yeah, you know that's that's the scary place for sure <laughs> mm. so how do you feel then it, it's interesting that you mentioned that you're doing kind of alternative versions of the tracks mm. because I'm personally I've been kind of struggling with this music distribution model the chain, the movable feast of music distribution over the last 20 years as in mm. for, for many for about 50 years there was a kind of a tried and tested model in the way that you did things mm. uh, in the way that you recorded you released you toured blah 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 wash rinse repeat and then everything kind of got up upheavaled about 20 years ago and, and, and it kind of has settled to a certain extent on this streaming model but over the last number of years there's been a huge rise in the sales of certain physical media mostly vinyl a little bit of cassettes as well which I'm kind of surprised about but one of the benefits I see of streaming media is the ability to easily release 
something like that. I'm just going to do an acoustic version of the EP and we're just going to put it up there. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it. Oh, look, I struggle with that whole, the whole streaming model in general is, I think everybody, you know, struggles with it in the industry. It's a, it's kind of like sometimes when you're releasing something, you're like, God, was that just a drop in the ocean? Like, <laughs> what is that? Do you know? And I feel like that with a lot of songs, because you you put so much into them and you put so much of your, you know, blood, sweat and tears into that release. And then that's it. And so mm. for me with these songs, I'm, I love the, I love this record. I love these songs. And it's important for me to like lengthen the life of it in that way, which used to happen via touring or whatever. But now because you know, you've got so much music released all the time. And, and also this year, so many artists touring because everyone's rescheduled. It's kind of a weird time. And so for me with, with these songs, it was really important to be able to do that. And yeah, like there's pluses and minuses of everything. There's definitely the plus of streaming means that, or the plus of the distribution model now means that you can upload something and release it without the need for major budgets or a major label or even a studio because you can do it at home so in that way yeah I'm I'm happy to be able to do that um we won't get into the negatives of the <laughs> of the streaming <laughs> side of things today <laughs> I uh no no I mean, well, I mean it, it's an important conversation to have with with artists because it directly affects you it also directly affects listeners as well mm-hmm. I mean I sometimes wonder how new music fans and I'm largely talking about younger people here like like mm. teenagers getting into music for the first time in some respects it's great because they have everything in the world available at their fingertips but in another way I find that quite daunting because how do you decide what to listen to yeah whereas like when you were like when I first started listening to music I would buy one CD and I would that's what I would have for like six mm. months and I would wear it out and anybody in close proximity would be sick of listening to the same song on repeat but that would become you know a big influence it wouldn't be kind of tapping in and out of of different artists all the time but ah yeah pluses and minuses <laughs> there are pluses my and I, like I'm not trying to put years on you I, I would certainly have a few years on you but because I, I could go back to tapes we used to do that whole thing about home taping is killing music we'd all be copying albums off each other uh, <laughs> but that was just the way it was back then because uh, you couldn't you could only afford maybe one in a blue moon at your birthday or something yeah. like that but uh, there you go so yeah I know it, it's it's a tough one and I don't know what the answer is I don't think there is an answer to be honest with you yeah. um, but what's, what is good is that there is some wonderful music being released at the moment uh, which includes uh, your brand new EP Time I Thought You Were On My Side where, 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 where does that title come from Megan? <laughs> so the last track on the EP is called Time and there's a lyric in the in the chorus which is I thought you were on my side and I just that really resonates with with me at the moment I, that that song in particular is written was written from a point of of grieving um after a loss and I think it was very much it was kind of one of those songs that I sat down and it just poured out and it was and sometimes when that happens, you kind of automatically assume that maybe that's not as good a song because I didn't have to like work over it. Whereas mm. when I showed it to Richie, who's the producer on the EP, he was like, oh, my God, that we have to do this one like this is going to tie it all together. And so. I kind of even outside of the song, love that concept and I love it for the time that we're all living in, because. 
if anything, the last two years have, have taught us is like we have no control. We've no control over what's going to happen next. And we can try and have all of our ducks in a row and all these things happening and, you know, all this stuff to get excited about, and whatever. And then this cannonball can just come into our lives in whatever form that happens and all of your plans are gone. So I kind of had a lot of of stuff like that over the last two years that my life was thrown into upheaval when before then I'd been quite used to like having an element of or or certainly having a perceived (laughs) element of control over my time and over what Mm. I wanted from my time what I could achieve from a year or a month or a week um and that was all thrown into chaos so I, I felt like that was quite a quite an appropriate title for this time pardon the pun and for the CV <laughs> okay I was wondering was it a, a a kind of a play on the Rolling Stones track or something like that oh the time is on my side yes it is that'll, that'll I, as be in kind of no it's not <laughs> yeah that'll be my next interview answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay well, that, well, maybe the next time like when you're on tour again you know that can be the kind of the, the lead in to the track uh, or something like that. Yeah, you know, you can yeah. do do one of those kind of pitch perfect style Mash live up. remixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah be, be, be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So, so wildfire was the first single to be taken from the EP. Fail better is the new one, uh, which which is just out as as we're recording this. Um, where do you see yourself on the musical palette? Mm. And what I mean by that is. If somebody hadn't heard your music, how yeah. would you describe it? This is always such a hard... Why is this such a hard question? <laughs> it's so funny. I, yeah, I know. Um, it's, it, it's an unfair one because it's uh, trying... Because it's, it's, I'm forcing you to put yourself in a box or boxes. But yeah. I'm always interested to hear what people say oh, about yeah. it. 100%. I think for me, like I've, you know, have been making music in a certain lane for the last few years. Um... And it's been like that folky Americana kind of stemmed from that world. That's where I, I first started out. And this is a total, not a total 180 from there, but it's certainly a, a different lane. And I'd been quite excited about wanting to do something different for a while. And I think the weird thing with, you know, music is and with probably all walks of life is you get in this lane and then you go well I'm on this lane I know this lane like how am I going to move out of this lane that everything over those other lanes is a bit scary and so it had kind of been a jump that I was not that I was unwilling to take but I was a little bit you know afraid to take for a while and then you know pandemic hit and I had all this time to explore and turn inward and figure out what I wanted to make and who I wanted to be as an artist and who I was influenced by. And I started working with a bunch of new people, Richie McCourt being one of those people. And I just uncovered this new sound that I am mad about. And I feel like if, you know, for anyone that hasn't heard the songs before, it's somewhere along the lines of like early Sia, kind of Florence and the Machine, like a dark kind of, indie poppy because I wouldn't call it straight down the middle pop um, mm. and I think the songwriting is still really very much at the focus point of what I do and we're just adding a bit more you know pop and electronic production around that so 
I don't know if that just answered your question, but I hope that it did. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It, it is an unfair question because I don't think musical genres are as discreet as they were mm. many years ago. And I don't think it's been that case for quite some time, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, like pre Spotify and all that. I think this, that those barriers have been broken down long, long ago. Um, but it's, I'm, it's just whenever I'm trying to describe music to somebody, like new music, yeah, you're uh, you're always trying to find a point of reference. Absolutely, you know, kind of. Well, you know, kind of sounds like this. So if you like that, you might like this, or you know, yeah. Rather than, and, and and I'm always intrigued by what artists themselves say because mm. I think it it infor it tells me a little bit about perhaps where you're coming from, musically yeah. and artistically Absolutely. as well. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tough one because I think that certainly like I write a lot of music and this and then kind of come to the the best ones and they end up on the record and um and you're so influenced and inspired by so many different people like I can listen to Joni Mitchell all day today and then go right I want the next record to be me and a guitar and that's it nobody come near me you know and it's just yeah. always changing what you want and I think that's super important because you have to be you have to be always inspired by the, all of these different elements in order to bring all of those different elements into one kind of one record that becomes you mm. yeah I can understand that I can, I can see where you're coming from with that it's a very um, I hate to say it right it's a very mature very grown up mm. view view on, on things if you know what I mean because uh, it's I'm, almost I'm grown up now no, I can I can accept <laughs> that now I am I, I think I'm getting yeah. there like I like scented candles more than I like a bottle of cheap wine now on the weekend so. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you put scented candles and a bottle of cheap wine together Oh, don't talk to me. That's 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 the dream. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> um, it's. I like the way you talked about kind of change, changing the sonic palette and being mm. a little bit afraid, yeah. perhaps out a little bit out of your comfort zone. Uh, like there's, you know, the, the Brian Eno, the producer, yeah, musician, yeah. electronic yeah. pioneer. And he talks about introducing elements of randomness into studio sessions. Mm. So if things aren't working or things aren't working as well as he would like them to be, he will often like perhaps introduce dice or mm. make people change instruments. Uh, you know, you're playing that on a guitar, take it away. I want you to play that on a, a trumpet, but I don't play the trumpet. I know. Let's see what happens, yeah. you know, or, 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 or whatever it might be. Um, and, I'm I'm always intrigued by the records that he's involved in. You know, yeah. you you might like them or not is 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 a matter of taste. But I don't think anyone can ever say that Brian Eno and the music he's produced is uninteresting. Not at all. Would that be fair? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's so. Like we do that an awful lot in songwriting sessions where we'll switch instruments or change the key of a song. We'll yeah. just like be like, you know what, we're stuck on that chorus or whatever. Let's pick up a different instrument or change key or put a different sound in there on logic or whatever we're working on. And yeah, it's, it just tweaks your ear a little bit differently sometimes when you're creating that, that then can trigger something else. And I think certainly with like, I, yeah, I think I was in this kind of lane for quite a while that I was, 
I was comfortable in. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't that it was easy or anything like that, but I was yeah. comfortable in that space. I was well known in that space and I was, you know, getting gigs in that space and I was working with a ton of people. And, and that's all great. And I'm still, you know, doing elements of that. But when I went to go back into the studio and be writing and recording something new, I was like, that is just not not setting me on fire with excitement. Mm. It's not, it's not, and not to say that genre wasn't a challenge because God knows every genre, making music in any genre is a challenge. But it wasn't, it just wasn't exciting me. And I think it hadn't been for for a little while the, the kind of doing what I had been doing, which is me and a piano and a guitar. And I was like, I am just going to shake everything up and like see what comes out and see what happens. And terrifying. Like, don't like, especially when it comes to translating all that live, you're like, oh, my God, I need to learn how to play 55 new instruments. Like, how am I going to do this? And, you know, that's all scary. But I actually I did a gig there. I was on tour before Christmas and I did a gig. And one of the sound engineers uh, that night in the theater, I was talking to him about, you know, changing direction. And half the set was kind of like my old sound and half the set was the newer sound. So it was like an introduction I was talking to him about laughter and telling him, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like evolve the sound and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said to me, well, that's great. Like you have to change because if you stand still, you'll die. <laughs> yeah. And that has just stuck with me. I think that is absolutely brilliant. I'm like, if I stand still creatively, I'll die. So I'm just going to keep jumping from now on. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what the words to live by. M- yeah. Might that have been the inspiration behind Wildfire? As in setting a bit of a fire inside yourself. Yeah, I think so. And look, look, I'd gone, I'd kind of been through a lot of personal stuff the last few years and that naturally affects mm. your music and where you want to go and what you want to say. And, you know, feeling like a bit more grown up than I felt five years ago writing music when I definitely didn't have near as much to to tap into. Um, yeah, it's. I have evolved as a person. So naturally my sound is going to evolve as well. Naturally, I'm going to want to push myself into different areas and try new things and play new instruments and work with new people because I'm different than I was before. Mm. I, only because you've mentioned it, I'm going to ask you something. And if you don't want to talk about it, say so. And I left off, okay? Okay. But <laughs> you, you've, you've mentioned that some things happened in your own life and I don't want to know the details of that because that's your own personal information but I'm intrigued to know how you're able to draw on that in an artistic context how difficult is it to go to the well oh it's uh it's it's funny some days it's really tough and some days it's not so bad And sometimes, especially when you're collaborating with somebody else and you can openly talk about what you're feeling and they can relate, that can be a really beautiful, cathartic experience to actually get it out of you and into a piece of music. And there's like, I think, I I read this quote a while ago and it was that life is not about feeling happy. It's about feeling everything. And I thought that was really, it it really struck a chord with me because I think 
before the last few years and when, you know, a lot of things started to go a little bit away, I was kind of, I thought the purpose of life was, not the purpose of life, but I thought the, the goal in life was to remain happy, you know? And now I realize that actually feeling all the crappy things and the grief and the whatever it is, breakups and loss and, you know, anxiety and struggles with your mental health, all of that stuff means that you have a a different palette now to feel everything. And I think when you feel all the really bad stuff, you actually feel the good stuff more. It actually gives you like a deeper well to, to say what you've just said. Um, and I think that's like really difficult to, to draw on those experiences through your art, but also really necessary because we're all human beings. We're all living, you know, similar experiences. The, the reality of the situation is if I've been through something, most other people have felt something similar or will at some point. And, and so if you're honest and you're sharing that people are going to get something from it, they're going to relate to it. And you're going to get something from that, from giving that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to be reductive, but it's almost like you're drawing on both sides of the coin rather than just one side. Yeah. But, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, no, I do. Without getting yeah. into specifics. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes I've met people, like particularly even when I was younger, and you'd be writing songs about what you thought were deep and meaningful, sad things. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> you <laughs> know, as in I, I, you know, it, 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 they were just they were just words strung together around a facade, yeah. as opposed to anything true. And I, I, I think you, I can often tell when you hear a song, particularly when you hear performed live, is is it is it just a word? Or is there a meaning behind the word? Yeah, and oh, 100%. And like I, when I'm doing a take of a song, it's so much more important to me that that emotion translates more than a perfect take that's pitch perfect and no perfect, whatever. It's like, yeah, if you can actually perform the emotion behind that song, a lot of artists do that really well, like where, you know, listening to a song can be just give you all the feels you know and that's mm. what you want from it that's that's the point certainly for me that's what I would tap into when I'm listening to music and when I that's what I want to to also put out there yeah I mean you're you're clearly a very musically literate person like you you know your history and you know about the production process so when you talk about note perfect thing. I mean, you invoked using logic earlier. So obviously you're using a computer mm -hmm. or, or computer-based system to, to record. But one of the problems with some music today is that it's processed to shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like oh. auto-tune can take, I, 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 a lot of vocals just don't grab me at all. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not giving out about people. I just, I find that they're, they all sound the same. You know, there's no voice to it, which yeah. I think might perhaps be, even though I described your music as poppy earlier, I'm really talking there's beats and synths in it. But mm. the voice, I mean, particularly Wildfire, as soon as I heard it, I went, well, OK, that's, yeah, that's a song. I can hear that. Yeah. You know, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Well, I think mm. that's exactly it. Like if you process a vocal too much, you're actually processing out that person's personality. Like you're taking away who they are, the story they're trying to tell, the emotion in that story. Like, and, and you know, I, I listened to vocal takes I did five years ago or six years ago, seven years ago. And I'm not the same singer. Like my vocals used to be nowhere near what they are now. I've worked really hard at that. You know, I've worked like really hard about uh, at, like the the technical stuff, like how to use a microphone, where to where to be in front of that microphone, how to move around. You know, it's like it's not just a performance. It's you also have to know some of the technical side and you have to be working with people who are geniuses at that, which I'm really fortunate to do, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a whole like your vocal is going to develop as any instrument will with work and with time but I definitely would agree with you like if you're if you're just layering on a load of auto-tune and compressor and all this like it's just it takes away the good and I'm the type of singer that will do 150 takes of one chorus to get the perfect one rather than get do a few takes and then edit and make and make them right in the computer rather than make them sound right in real life. Have you ever got it in one take? Yeah, I would do a lot of, uh, it depends on the song, but I would certainly mm. do a lot of full takes when I'm recording because again, the performance element of you get into it, you know, whereas if it's stop, start, stop, start, it depends on the song. Like, but if it's stop, start all the time, it's hard in 10 seconds when you're doing one line to get yourself in the zone for 10 seconds. Whereas if you've got a three minute run, you're getting a lot of things out in that in that three minutes. And that's usually where the magic happens for me. Yeah. What's what's your your process for songwriting? Do you have one? It's probably a better question to start with. Yeah, I do. I like I first started writing songs when I was, you know, a tiny tot and I didn't know what I was doing. And like you were saying earlier, drawing on the things you think are difficult. Like I fancied this boy when I was 14, you know, and I'll write about that for two years. But I went to Nashville when I was 21 and I spent two years out in Nashville being an absolute sponge. And it was the best education I ever could have asked for because it just, I want, I wanted to learn how to write good stories and whatever production I decided to put around that was a kind of a, was kind of secondary really. I just wanted to learn how to write good stories and tell good stories. Cause that for me was everything about music. So I went there. It was an absolute sponge. Got in, you know, a lot of great rooms, thank- thankfully, and, and thanks to a lot of great people out there for that. And um, was in with just unbelievable songwriters and learned so much. And one of the main things I learned was to schedule creativity. So like when you're in Nashville, you rock up for two sessions every day, Monday to Friday. Your first session's at 10 or 10.30. You have a coffee, you write a song. Then you have a lunch break. Then you go into a second session at three or four o'clock and you write another song and that's your day. It's a nine to five. It's a, you show up every day like a job and you do it. And I still do that. I still schedule in sessions, whether it's me working by myself, which is always harder to edit or two because you're like, I only have myself. Whereas when you're scheduling, (laughs) you know, you have to collaborate with someone else. You have to show up because you know, there's somebody else there. Um, And it's amazing because you, 
the more you work that muscle, the more that that gets better. Your lyrics get better. Your melodies get better. Like it's the same as picking up an instrument every day. You get better the more you do it. And so you're definitely not going to write like, you know, do a Dolly Parton on it and write two hits in a day. But that can happen. You're not that's not Mm. going to happen every day. But, you know, and I now I wouldn't do two sessions a day now because let's face it, like I'm older than I was then. I can't face that anymore. I'm, I made myself. I made myself sound really old there. I'm not that old. No, I know. And, and I like. I I'm asking you these questions like you're about to hit your retirement. I, I don't mean it like that. This is my greatest it's, it's, hits EP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But 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 it's interesting here. I mean, I I, I wasn't aware of the Nashville thing, and yeah. I've never been to Nashville, and I'm I, I I've, I've wanted to go for years, and you know I I need to just bite the bullet and just go. Yeah. Uh, with, with, I, uh, without an agenda, if you know yeah. what I mean, I'd like to go uh, and just listen. Yeah, it's a, it's an unbelievable place. Now it's changed. Like I was when mm. I was there, it's changed a lot since then. Um, and I've been back. Like I would go back most years. Obviously, not the last two, but other than that, I yes. would have been back there every year or twice a year for for like a week or two of writing and some studio work and stuff. And it's changed a lot. Um, I think from about 2012 onwards. So I was there 2012, 2013. And from there onwards, it's just changed a lot in terms of there's a lot more money in the city. There's a lot more right. um, kind of commercializing of the of the music industry. There's a lot of old studios that are being teared down and um, that are being torn down, I should say. And uh, it's definitely... That's all right. I'm not going to correct your grammar. <laughs> I'll just correct myself. (laughs) Um, But there is, it is changing, but it's still, the magic is still there. And when you're, you know, at different sessions and you're seeing like how musical, it's just, it's phenomenal. You'd love it. Any, Mm. Any musician would just absolutely love it. Yeah. I've often heard as well, like that, that, you know, people think you think you're a good musician. You think you can play. Oh no. Wait, you see these people go like, they'll just... Turn, yeah. you know, turn the hand to anything. Well, that was one of my biggest lessons when I was there because um, I kind of realized that it was a very humbling experience. Like I went there thinking, oh, yeah, I am I can do this. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have so much work to do. Like I and it can go one of two ways. You either get there and go, OK, I'm, I might just give up now. Or you get there and go, OK, I just have to work really hard to now get to this level and I remember my mom came out to visit me when I'd been there a few months and we went around to like all the honky tonk bars where you've got live bands playing and they're just phenomenal. And everyone, like everyone is out of this world good. And my mom just kind of looks at me and she's like, are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fair question, ma, fair question. Yeah, But isn't that the element of professionalism? And that, you know, that, 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 I don't say elevates or separates people because music is for everyone in the same way that painting is for everyone. You know, you don't, not everyone is going to be Van Gogh and that's fine, you know. But when it, it's that element of professionalism and showing up, you know, uh, if, you're, if, if you're happy being in a band that plays a gig once every six months and your friends come along and you get a buzz off it, I think that's great. But if you're seeking to do it professionally, 
well, then you have to behave professionally. So what you're talking there yeah. about scheduling things, I think is very interesting. You know, as in, uh, you have to sit and wait for the muse of inspiration to come. And therefore you sit around. I know loads of people who are pr- professionals and they haven't done anything in six months. And that's nothing to do with COVID. That's just because mm-hmm. they're playing video games or whatever else yeah. it is that they're doing, you know? Ah, look, I think th- there's kind of, there's people that write less songs in a year. There's people that like I would write, you know, we went, I went through my, my Dropbox folder yesterday, which is like where all of the organization in my life happens. And I'd written like over a hundred songs last year. And that was kind of, that's how I, but that's how I work. Like I will be particularly because I do a lot of writing for other artists and for TV and movie and stuff like that. Like I will constantly be having to write. And if there's briefs coming in with, Hey, we're looking for this song for this show, blah, blah, blah. You'll write for that. So it's a, you know, there's two, three sessions a week. And that's, that's how I operate. That's how I've learned to operate. Whereas there's other songwriters that will write two or three songs a year, but those two or three songs could take them three or four months at a time. Like they'll mill over them and mill over them. So everybody has their own way of, of doing it and, and operating at it, um, and don't get me wrong, like there's obviously it's a it's an industry where you're looking at what everyone else is doing. You're like, maybe I should do that. Maybe maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I should try. Like it's it that never ends either. Um, but, but, but you just have there's to find no what one works right way. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But there's no one right way. You know, there's yeah. what works for you. But if something isn't working for you, maybe that's when you need to have a little bit of a, a, a change up. If you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I hear, I read Nick Cave's book a couple of years ago and he talks about getting up every day, every single day and he goes to the piano and it's almost like an office session. You know, people go in, like I get up in the morning, I check my emails. He gets up in the morning, he has a cup of coffee, he has a cigarette and he sits at the piano for a couple of hours. Mm. You know, uh, and and I do think that's, that's, it's the discipline of it. Yeah. Well, I I started doing that um, throughout lockdown and then, I moved in with my boyfriend and he ruined the whole thing because he threw my schedule out of whack. <laughs> I tell I tell him that all the time too, but <laughs> but um I yeah, I would I would get up every morning and from nine to half eleven I would play. And I would learn songs I wanted to learn. I would learn classical pieces on piano. I would learn, you know, some Jackson Brown on guitar and I would just pick songs I wanted to learn. And they didn't have to be anything to do with me. And I would just enjoy playing. Yeah. And it did not matter if I got up in the morning and I, <laughs> if I got up in the morning and I had my cup of coffee and I did a meditation and then I played for two, two and a half hours, it didn't matter what else happened that day. That was a successful day. And that for me was, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get back into it now. It's a little bit harder when you don't kind of, you can't just shut the door and shut everybody else out. But um, I will find a way, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I think that's really important because like there, there is a reason it's called playing music. You need to play, you need to enjoy it. You need to have fun. You need to tap into parts of it that you feel like you're playing because that's where all the, the joy and the fun and the inspiration and the love to do it is going to come from. So I think certainly for me, I I need that. Um, not everybody does, but I certainly need to to tap into that. Yeah, yeah. 
I can, I can imagine how that works. Yes. Um, Megan, your new EP, Time, brackets, thought you were on my side. That's available now. Uh, it's. Am I correct in saying it's a digital only release? Is that correct? There are a few physical copies that will mostly be available at gigs or at um, online via Bandcamp. And then everything else will be will be digital. Okay, okay. So like you have previous albums, previous EPs, and you, you mentioned there about how you've written 100 songs last year, <laughs> which is quite an achievement. So would would it be would it be presumptuous to assume that there are more releases forthcoming? There are nail on the head there, Rob. Yeah, there's there sure are. There is. Um, See, my detective be... skills are unreal. Yeah. The way you just said, like, I have 100 songs, but there's only Four on the EP. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. This doesn't confuse. Um, yeah, no, there's going to be a bunch of songs. Like we're kind of doing, like I was saying, some alternative versions of the EP tracks that they'll come first and mm. then not set on exactly when the next song will come out, but I'm actually going in to record it next week. So um, I'm going in to record the next two singles in the next two, two to three weeks. And then they'll be ready for whenever that kind of feels like the right time to to put out some more. So I would imagine probably August, September would be the next one. But um, but yeah, there's there's very many sitting there. And that's the the struggle constantly as a as an artist. You're like, oh, but I wanna I wanna put them all out now. I wanna put them all out. So I'll get around to it. Yeah. So you you have you were touring earlier on, um, and and the EP is out now. Have you got any dates that you can tell us about or are they all up in the air at the moment, kind of to BC? If yeah, you know what there's, I mean. a, there's, there's a few kind of summer dates that are still TBC that I can't, can't say yet. And um, there will be a small tour in around September, October time. Um, so, but again, that's all still yet to be announced. But it's this year for me was kind of more focused on getting all this new music out there because that's going to change, you know, people's perception. It's going to change what the sh- what the live show is. The live show is going to mm. be very different. So it's kind of, I'm giving people the the, the teaser first and then the, the live show will kind of be coming after. If somebody wanted to find out more about you and your music, Megan, what's the best place for them to go? Uh, the place I'm definitely the most active is Instagram. Although I'm reaching that point where all social media feels like it's taken up too much of my life. <laughs> but um, but it has to be done. So Instagram is where you will find uh, I'm posting the most and I'll kind of give the most updates there. That's Megan O'Neill Music. But I'm on Twitter, Megan O'Neill, Facebook, Megan O'Neill Music. And then my website is Megan-O'Neill.com. So that's where kind of live gigs will be announced. and But they'll be on, on socials as well. Totally. And uh, the music, the EP Time, Thought You Were On My Side, that's available now. Uh, the single out, the new single is Fail Better. Uh, previous single, Wildfire, that's on it as well. Uh, it's definitely worth listening to. I think you'll be you'll be pleasing your ears in giving the EP uh, a run out on your on your big speaker system. Megan, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I do appreciate it. And I appreciate your honesty and your candidness and not telling me to F off as well. So fair play to you. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anytime. Thanks so much, uh, thanks- I know. Cheers. Thank you. Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102-103.